you know, sort of back alleys and places you wouldn't you wouldn't really want to go. Yeah, so I would always avoid it, and so sort of got really like put off by it, and really didn't enjoy working with sort of spray paint anymore, and really did focus on the painting. And I was lucky. I had there was two people out of my course that was selected to exhibit at the Plymouth Art Centre, and it was like one of their big sort of galleries in the city. And uh, you know, I felt quite lucky. And then it turned out I was the only person who sold a piece of work from there. And I was kind of like, well, what's going on with this? People are really liking my work. But at the same time, I'm feeling like I'm a bit of a fraud because, you know, I'm really just sort of wanted to just do graffiti. Um, But, you know, I I don't know, it's just part of life, isn't it? You realise you're good at something and then, you know, some people like it, some people don't. Maybe that's the thing with the styles. It's kind of like some people like my work because it's vibrant. Some people hate it because it's vibrant. Um, but, yeah, I went to St. Austin College when I finished at, at Plymouth, and uh, I kind of got introduced to the sort of the Cornish artists like uh, Peter Lanyon and Brian Winter. Now, the, their approach to painting was something... It was about experience rather than an actual visual sort of narrative. It was the, the, the actual experience of something. Like with Brian Winter, he used to sort of float around on this sort of glass-bottomed sort of yacht thing, or like a little canoe thing and uh, look at the sort of reflections of light on the sea and would paint them. And, uh, like, Peter Lanyon was into sort of, uh, what do you call it, like sort of when you go up in thermal vents on a, what is it? Like a, a kind of like a glider, but not not the new gliders. They're just sort of like a, like a lightweight framework. Um, but, yeah, he used to float around in these thermals and uh, would then paint the experience of floating around in the thermals. And he's actually got a piece of work called thermal. And I kind of I was really intrigued with their, the sort of abstract paintings they did and what it meant, and the way that they weren't actually drawing anything that you could see; they were drawing what they felt of an experience. So I, I really I, I loved the idea of that, and I was kind of intrigued. So when I went to university, I decided that you know I really want to find out about that exploration and how to cre- create an image out of an experience. So, you know, and obviously being in Cornwall, I was always at access to the coast, and uh, I was quite into free diving. Do, do you guys know what free diving is? It's where you sort of hold your breath, and you dive down as deep as you can, and then you come back up again. And it's about sort of how long you can hold your breath for and how deep you can dive and stuff. I got really, really into that. Um, and it's funny because, like, as a free diver, you, your experience is that of completely detached from the world around you. It's like a different universe. You don't have the sort of day-to-day experiences of seeing a recognisable feature like a, I don't know, like a signpost or something. You've got a rock with a bit of seaweed and then fish. No other people, no nothing. And I kind of, this whole, this atmosphere of like sort of detachment. So I I really wanted to kind of paint this and come up with a way of making like other people possibly feel that sensation of being submerged but in a different place, but still to fill the sort of space. So you don't feel like you're sort of, I don't know, like uh, looking at something and going, oh, that's just a few splats. You actually understand that it's the sensations of being there. So I started painting these series of paintings. Now, this one was my first one, so I called it my first dive. And I kind of saw it as my first moment I dived into the ocean and sort of had that experience in the ocean. And uh, just sort of the feeling of the pressure and the water and the splashing and the bubbles and... um, you know, so this was what I did in my second year at university. So it's about 1998 I painted this. Um, so it, it feels quite like an innocent painting to me because I've obviously, you know, I, I kind of I'm not sure about what I'm doing, but I'm I'm, I'm sort of like just testing the water almost. Uh, but yeah, it, I felt like it was quite a successful painting. So if I go on from that to the next one, now when I was really starting to explore the marks and its little splashes and splats. 
I got very interested in the idea of the philosophy and the idea of like the um, the experience and how to make an experience sort of like a like to just suddenly I don't know like to, what a good example would be like a samurai. I always use this as a good example because it's like a Zen Buddhism and the idea of um, as a samurai, if you train in the sword, your experience has to be that, like, sort of, a, if you're in a sword fight, it has to be very pure. You have to do everything exact. You can't afford to, like, make a mistake almost. So it's about cutting off elements of your mind. So instead of being dualistic and having, right, I'm going to do it this way or I'm going to do it that way, it's about being right in the middle so that all your decisions are, like, an instant pure response. So you can sort of create, like, a, the, the sort of perfect movement with your sword, say, so you can, you know, you don't get killed. Uh, so I was kind of like, well, how can I put that into a painting? How can I make these sort of mo- these sort of marks and sort of movements and things to sort of, you know, to detach myself? So I started like doing all kinds of really stupid experiments. Like uh, with some of them, I used to line up little pots with paint and put massive rolls of canvas and paper out, and I used to just walk around and walk into them by accident and kick them around and see the marks. And uh, the sort of splashes and the, the angles and the lines that were made through just like these random sort of accidents. And if I just leave it like lying around on the floor of the studio, you know, I could come back and realise I've not knocked something over. And then it's made a, a beautiful mark and it's spilt and bled in and into another colour. And I've not kind of thought, oh, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to sort of, you know, control it. I'm going to be very subconscious about the control. And... Um, and that's what all these were about. They were sort of about letting go of my sort of conscious sort of mind and experimenting more with the, just the nature of just the paint. The paint does its own thing. This is quite a dark image, so it's very hard to see. Uh, but yeah, again, with the sort of diving sensations, the, the being detached. Um, oh yeah, I forgot to say, uh, if anyone wants to sort of ask questions about anything on, along the way, it's, you know, it's perfectly fine sort of just chatting. I don't, you know, I, I don't mind talking to you, but if you want to sort of, you know, if, you've got, if you're curious about science, just like say straight away, I'm, you know, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, so the diving stuff, that was kind of like the, the door into what I felt like what my work was doing and where it wanted to go. So by my final year at university, I decided to sort of take it away from the sort of diving themes and then really look at the sort of uh, the things I saw around me, the experiences and stuff that were around me every day, but I kind of would sort of forget about and not even acknowledge, like a split-second moment of time that you would see and you'd glimpse and then it'd be gone. Now, this I, I called sunset, but it was like, I, when I did it, it was a moment when I was walking out of the studio one night and I just saw a glimpse of light as the sun was setting. Just It went through a, like a, a sort of branches of a tree and it just sort of flickered. And all I just saw was this flicker of light. And I kind of I wanted to represent that flicker of light. So I built up these layers of sort of colour and uh, the, sort of the, the sort of gestural brush marks and stuff were like more kind of about the sort of the, the existence of the, the, the sort of tree and the, the, the branches. It wasn't a visual representation exactly. It was more a sort of dynamic sort of uh, representation, like my feeling of the tree and the way that the black silhouetted against the strong colours. Um, but that, that was quite a big painting as well. It's like six foot by four foot. And that probably was like, to me, that was my moment where I felt like I'd really achieved a breakthrough in my painting. I kind of felt like I'd gone from the diving stuff, which was really kind of like just abstract splats into having abstract splats but then with controlled brush marks and sort of considered brush marks um, and it was funny my, all my tutors really loved it and they, they kind of they got they were very excited with the work and they said you know that, you know, it's really good we like the ideas you really need to look more at sort of Zen Buddhism and stuff so I started reading 
but I kind of, I just I don't know I kind of really got into the idea of not having an idea and just about painting. So when I did my degree show, I put this really sort of weird statement in, which everyone seemed to really like, but um, I'll just read it to you. Uh, the paintings I create do not have hidden intentions or conceptual storytelling. I think this detachment to concept makes each day's approach to the creative process have an infinite amount of outcomes. An act without a script, only the p- participation of creating paintings. This then becomes the theme, an object that defines no rules, just an experience. And everyone used to be like, what does it mean? <laughs> you know, what, what, the, what the hell are you talking about, Tom? And I'd be like, well, you know, it's simple. I just don't plan it. I just paint and don't think about it. And it just has to re- represent some emotional aspect of my life at some point, some memory, some feeling, um, some, something buried deep in my sort of subconscious. Um, and this was my final piece I did before I finished. And uh, this is nine foot by six foot. So again, I've got the layers and the colours and uh, the sort of splats and the brush marks and people kind of were intimidated by it because it is quite a gloomy, very dark, gloomy colour, like really strong greys with dark sort of blues. Um, And it is quite overwhelming. On the scale of it, nine foot by six foot, you you are kind of consumed by it almost. And because, you know, standing over you, when you're inside, you are inside the space and it's kind of like a Rothko in the terms of like its scale, but... um, so I, I don't know. I wasn't really sure of it. I wasn't sure that it worked. I, you know, I was glad I, I painted at that scale, but I wasn't sure that the outcome was what I really wanted. Um, so I, I'd kind of like left it and went went away from that sort of technique. And uh, I kind of, I think I just sort of sat on the fence for a while, going, "Do I want to go abstract? Do I want to go into figurative work, or or what?" And um, that was it. When I, I, you know, I graduated then. Um, well, just work out what I'm going to get to next. So. After having nearly, what, six, seven years of being as working as an artist and sort of struggling between working at factories and office jobs and temping and in the meantime still trying to produce work, I kind of, I reached a point where I just, I wasn't sure that I wanted to paint at all and I kind of really struggled with it and I got... I got back into it. I really got into oil painting and uh, I wasn't doing anything I liked. I was just painting like portraits and uh, copying images of like religious images like Caravaggio paintings and Leonardo da Vinci, which we had in a show in uh, Stantonbury just last month. And Yeah, but they're nice and, you know, they they look good images, but they don't sort of, they don't excite me in any way. They're just sort of like... It's like the job of a painter to paint this image sort of thing. It's not like I'm doing it because I feel like I want to do it, like it's a passion. Um, and I kind of, I did struggle. I was working as an artist in residence and uh, I was just constantly trying to find what, what it was that I wanted to paint. And I was, oh, I was doing all kinds of things. I was looking at colour spaces. I was painting just big voids of colour. And nothing really did anything for me. And uh, I think quite sad, my, my father died. And I think that was what a year and a month, sort of well, a year and a week almost to you know to now. Uh, and basically, it kind of kicked kicked me up the arse. Basically, it kind of it made me realise that what I really wanted to do was really do my abstract stuff, but with my sort of graffiti style, and use the techniques I'd learned, but use it with a sort of a, an emphasis towards abstract lettering, which is something I really really was intrigued by, and I really you know I, I love painting it. So immediately, you know, like a sort of a month after sort of my dad's funeral and stuff, I was just like really motivated and really knew what I wanted to do. And this was it. This was this was kind of like one of the first things I painted. And um, it was it was that letting go. It was that letting go of 
sort of the emotions and uh, the sort of emotions you have when you lose a sort of family member and stuff that really made it feel like that this is this is it this is what my paintings are going to be about now so i built i built out these sort of abstract sort of color backgrounds very similar to the diving paintings and uh, i would just kind of chuck splats layers colors all sorts of things a mixture of like sort of spray paint start buying spray paint again that's another thing the, the paint since i last painted like when i painted in the sort of 90s it was all really sort of rubbish sort of car paints that aren't very good and then nowadays they're like so professional like professional graffiti artist paints are amazing they're like the most intense color they're like the better than any color that i can get using or mixing anything and they're like super concentrated and you can get like caps that almost like needle thin lines and stuff with a spray cap or caps that like will bl- sort of blast out almost sort of like a, a 30 centimeter circle so you can get some really amazing effects when you mix them all up and uh, like with this i don't think there's any spray in this one um i can't remember actually but the idea of <laughs> the idea of mixing them and mixing the media so i've got like a whole whole host of different sorts of things going on and uh, making people realize that you know in fact like graffiti is actually like it's a highly considered art form it's not sort of respected by people and it's a shame that it's not because the the people that i know that work in it and people like myself you know we we go for a lot of effort and experiment and we try things out and we're just as professional as like any artist that sits and works painting in oils all day there's no you can't like look at a graffiti artist and go you know they're like a fug or a vandal well they're not they're like very very skilled talented sort of painters and um like the lettering like some of the there's so many different styles to the lettering um and i i just wanted to do like really angular sort of abstract lettering like with this one i think this one does this one's just like a, a basic shape it isn't actually any lettering at all but it's using the idea of lettering so i'm just sort of building shapes and structures with it basically now it's hard to see with this one because it's because <coughs> of the lights but um this is kind of looking at how you can build out of a background layer like a sort of a space a three dimensional space now we were saying i don't think this does it any justice these the actual slides or the slides the projection like the colors are a lot richer and the space is a lot more sort of you can see it's almost like sort of three dimensional and the way the the dark angles kind of cut in you you could almost feel like you could put your arm behind them and inside it is that sort of like three dimensional sort of edge um and again i'm building i'm using the techniques of the abstract lettering to create sort of structures inside the abstract painting and uh, it's all very intuitive i don't i don't really sort of plan it out i just sort of i just sort of roll with it and once i start putting a few shapes in i'll just start adding to it and it's like it expands out of nothingness um yeah this was a painting i did i started it in 2001 and I, i literally i started it and then i left it in a studio in wakefield and it was there for like about 5 years and i i got it back and i was just passing through wakefield and i went to the studio and i was like you know just going to say hello and they said you still got some of your work here oh you know 5 years you kept my work and so i took it home and i i, I kind of thought well you know it shows the naive from one sort of early naive star to where i am now so i started to work back into it and sort of painted this uh kind of sh- it's got a, a sort of enso in it it's got the japanese sort of uh dynamic the brush marks the uh the circle the image of like the circle and the the kind of the way that the 
the dynamic of making a circle. Apparently, it's supposed to describe if if someone can draw a circle, it's supposed to describe their character. You know, what sort of person they are uh, in how they draw their circles. So uh, I got right. I love doing just one big brush line circle. Uh, and then sort of working around it. So I've got this, it's a stepping in and stepping out. I've got the abstract splats, I've got the unconsidered marks, and then I've got the really controlled, considered tight brush marks and the circles and stuff. So it's, it's kind of a conversation with itself. It's a, it exists in its own like little universe. Now, this one, which is one of the ones that's in uh, the common room, uh, which is Phobos and Demos 1, because it's... Uh, there's two of them. And Phobos and Demos are the d- twin brothers of, uh, they're like sort of demigods, I think, uh, of uh, war, well, it's not war, I think it's panic and uh, fear and terror or something. And I, I think I, I gave it that name. I kind of thought it was quite correct having a title which was to do with the, the way we are played with today by the media into being very paranoid and to be sort of live with fear and terror in our sort of minds constantly. You can't sort of escape the media and the way it wants you to be sort of terrified at one thing or another and I kind of thought well, that's that's exactly what these sort of gods were about they're about sort of creating that intimidation and fear in people and that people would be sort of terrified at, you know at the idea of this god you know and if you're on the battlefield and you've suddenly got this god here you'll be really scared and I thought well that's exactly what the media are they are like that they are the sort of phobos and demos of our our times they're filling us with the the sort of the fear basically and I kind of thought you know I want to paint these images which are kind of like they're they're quite attractive but at the same time they're quite dark and they're quite mysterious and they 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 are quite intimidating because you're not quite sure is it lettering is it abstract is you know is is there something in there is there a form that you're supposed to recognize and and yeah, basically, it's, it's, it's just the pure, the, the, the idea of having sort of fear and terror. And I kind of, you know, I don't, I don't want to live my life sort of scared of things that people are saying to me or they've seen on the TV. So, you know, kind of like purging demons almost by sort of painting it. So that's Phobos and Demos 1. And the second one is that one. Now, I don't know which one I think is the sort of, the scarier. I don't think that, I don't know, I quite... I think they're both quite beautiful, but um don't know. What do you think? Which one? The first one. The first one. Uh, I don't know. No, I, I can't. I don't know. I quite. I, th- I think that one's a bit. Yeah, but I don't know why. But <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, Demos isn't as scary as Phobos. Maybe that's what it is. But yeah. Um, this was actually originally when I painted it. It was upside down. I preferred it the other way up. I thought it looked like a sort of a Donkey Kong. Does anyone know Donkey Kong? It's a character from a computer game. It looked like Donkey Kong on a surfboard. So <laughs> I really liked it. And I used to just have it upside down. And one of my friends was like, you're such an idiot. Why don't you just turn it the other way up? It looks better. Like, no, but it looks like Donkey Kong. <laughs> you know, have to stick with an idea and go with it. But in the end, when I got used to it upside down, I kind of I preferred it being that way. It, it's more sort of aesthetically pleasing. Um but yeah, this was funny because these took me about a month to paint and people look at it and they kind of look at the splats and they're like, you could do that in five minutes, you know, you could do that just no time at all. But you can't, it's not, you can't, I don't know, you, there is, the way you have to build up a, a painting and use splashes, it's like, if you put too much on it, just turns to mud. You end up with a brown mud and, uh, you know, you need to really control it. You need to understand your medium and sort of how you're working with the, sort of the paints and stuff. 
And people, I don't think people really appreciate that with a lot of abstract art. You know, it's not about, or oh, anyone could do that. It's not. It's, it takes a lot of time to practice and develop a technique. Right. Now, this is getting into having like real sort of structured forms. I wanted to sort of have an image where it felt like there was a three-dimensional sort of presence on the actual page. Um, now, the, the background colours, I've got a mix of sort of spray paint, dusting. Dusting's a technique you use, and you just sort of, from a distance, just sort of light strokes with a very fat cap. And uh, you end up, well, it's not the fattest cap, but you end up with a sort of nice dusted sort of effect. Um which you can do really good blends with. So if you're going to do like a, a sort of, I don't know, like a portrait in spray paint, you could dust from a dark brown into an almost sort of pale flesh colour just by constantly applying this dusted effect. Um, so yeah, I just used bits of that, that sort of technique to, to make the sort of coloured background with acrylic paint sort of splashed over the top of it. Um, no, no. Although that's funny, actually. Loads of people ask me that. Do I stencil? No, no, no. I mean, if you were, if you're dusting it, do you do you cover the other area that you don't want dusted? No, no, no. You make sure that you only get it in that little space. Well, you don't. You just technique. Technique. Apply technique. No, it's the background. It's not the 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 white bits at the front, like. When I started it, it's just the white and the orange and the yellows. So, well, not the white, the yellows and the orange and a bit of red. So that's what I'd have been mixed, sort of dusting with. So there would have just been like a, a canvas, and then I'd have just sort of used those colours, put the orange sort of acrylic paint over it, a little bit of red acrylic, um, and then painted the white over the top. But yeah, people ask me if I stencil that because of the way I kind of get these sort of really strong, tight lines on it. Um, you know, I, I don't. I kind of just drawing with the sort of the brush but that's one of those things it's probably a technique you learn through doing spray paint is you get a very steady arm it's very difficult to trace a straight line and if you're going to then trace that line next to it it's not that easy so you know like techniques you use is like you use your body so instead of just going like that you kind of walk with it so your body holds the straight line rather than your arm because your arm's wobbling all over the place so there's loads of funny techniques that you kind of develop so when I'm using those techniques with a brush suddenly I'm kind of I can draw like a straight line really easily just kind of using, using my body more than just sort of my wrist um, um, that is about I actually can't remember it's a, the actual side it's probably about off the floor about that sort of high about that sort of wide so it's not massive um, yeah, and it's on a it's like sort of skinny canvas I normally do like box canvases because I quite like working around the edges as well but um, I think that's just a slim canvas but same with this sort of background dusting and blues and then working over in acrylic um, it's, the, the build up of washes and layers is quite important um, when I get to a point and I feel like I've got a, a, a solid background to work through uh, like, a, like literally I'll colour the whole thing in I don't leave areas blank when I'm applying it. I want to fill the whole thing up, so I'll just apply the blue onto the whole piece. So there's no there's no area of it that's sort of untouched. Basically, I kind of I, I find it intimidating if you've got a canvas that's kind of you know there's bits of it that are empty. You know, I hate that. I have to just fill it all. Once it's all filled, then I can sort of then know what I'm going to paint, start building into it, and shape. Sometimes they, they kind of create themselves. Like like with some of the lettering, I don't design the lettering. I'll see the lettering in the shape that I've just sort of applied. Like if I'm pouring a blue paint onto like a, a surface and it's like a, 
it's just it's a it's a washed surface so it's wet and I pour the blue on and it just bleeds randomly and it moves around on its own it's kind of like a, nature takes its course and it just sort of heads off like a little river you have channels going off one way and then you have like putting a du- different sort of blue and then they meet and where they meet they kind of have these like a really crazy mixes of colour so it's sort of like science of the nature of paint and pigment and uh, like you can change it you can do things like you can put heavier pigments in so the heavy pigments overtake the light pigments and push them all out the way so you know it's, it's really bizarre but you can like this like, engagement with the actual process rather than sort of coming up with like ideas and concepts it's like the process itself is the idea and it's like sort of the battle with the paint that goes on on the surface and then what I make out of it afterwards is kind of like, you know, that's something else. It's like these two stages to the artwork. Um, but yeah, I build up, the, like some of them have got hundreds of layers, well, I'll say hundreds, they've probably got about 20 to 30 layers of paint that are put on in very, very fine transparency. So the layers are almost sort of see-through. Um, like, like one of them could be like a really pale white applied over a blue, and then I put like a, a slightly bluer white over the top of it and then keep going until what I end up with is like a very solid sort of edge of colour, which is what I've got going on in this bit here. You know, it's like this whole area of colour is just like loads and loads of layers that are just con- like considered sort of painted through and then a new tone's painted through, but you have to wait for it to dry between each layer, so, you know, it takes ages. Uh, this is a, one of my favourites. Um, I kind of, when I painted this, I wanted to sort of introduce a green and... Uh, create a sort of, I don't know, like a, an object. I wanted to do like an object and it was funny, I kind of, in my mind, all I could see was, um, Epst- is it Epstein's rock drill? Do you know the, the sculpture? Um, I'm sure it's Epstein, but um, yeah, it was a, it's a big sort of uh, bronze sort of cast sculpture and I kind of, I wanted to have like this massive sort of sh- like uh, object that looked like this sort of rock drill sort of, you know, like it's going to start pounding its way into the floor at some point. And uh, with against these big splashes, it's like it's quite—I don't know—it's it's quite violent almost. But um, <laughs> I don't know—I'm I'm not a violent person. <laughs> you wouldn't believe that by looking at my artwork, would you? It's like you know, I'm like really angry with something. <laughs> but um, no, I just—you know—I just wanted to build this structure and have it so it kind of stood. It was inside and outside the background, so they, they constantly overlap. And uh, you know, it's again, it's that layering and building up and dusting with spray paint and uh, the whole lot all added up, and then you just finish it off with a really simple graffiti techniques of doing a big chunky outline with a white highlight, which is really really successful. Like really simple techniques that you know graffiti artists use, which I quite like, and no one else uses it apart from you know graphic designers now are kind of getting into these basic things and uh, sort of animation even. Um, uh, I really like this because this was something I did I was just sort of mucking around one day and I was in the back garden and I had these three of them There's, this is only one of a series of three and um, they, they kind of stand about that high and about that wide so they're quite, they're quite narrow pieces uh, but with all three of them sort of lined up I, I, they're all different colours as well and I wanted to sort of link them up with spray paint so I just got this really skinny sort of cap and uh, a black can and just started randomly sort of spraying these shapes and marks over the top of it, and uh, then putting in other colours and sort of just mixing up. And I wasn't thinking about it at all. I was just sort of spraying and moving my arm around and trying to make these funny shapes and patterns. But I, I, I quite liked it. I quite liked the, the idea of uh, having the sort of the, the two stages. You've got like the abstract, 
the unconsidered and then the abstract and the controlled, the two parts that, that seem to be appearing in all my paintings, and it's constantly that. It's that sort of battle between the two. And um, I, was, I wasn't sure what it was or where it was coming from, this sort of idea. And uh, I was listening to some music one day, and someone was talking to me about a, a, a state of... It's like a, like a brain sort of thing. Synesthesia. Do you know? Anyone heard of synesthesia? And it's like where you've crossed pathways in the brain. So like, if you hear... Like if you, I don't know, if you, someone mentions a, a day to you, like Thursday, you'll think of a colour or something. Or if you, know, if you hear a music, you'll think of a colour. And I kind of thought, well, that's kind of the way I always paint. That's what I feel like. I feel like I kind of I paint using this synesthetic sort of awareness. I don't sort of consciously know it. I just sort of I just make it up as it goes along. I just sort of experience it as a sensation. And it really all started to click into like place at that time. I was like, that is it. That's what my work is. It's like, a, it's like synesthetic painting. I'm painting like the sensations of something without actually, you know, painting them directly. It's like a description that I read of synesthesia, which pe- people that paint with it is sort of like it's an image of an image of an image of a feeling of a moment. You know, if you can understand that, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's sort of like it's that distorted memory. It's like it's buried like inside your body, in your psyche, and yeah. So I, I started to have this little breakthrough with it. This, these ideas and these sort of using that sort of that mode of my brain and just sort of disengaging the, the world and just going into sort of the experience, the synesthetic experience of colour and music and shapes. So I would work with loads of music on constantly with music all the time on my headphones and just like, you know, for hours just playing random, all kinds of different stuff from sort of classical stuff to sort of more sort of ambient electronic to just absolutely anything uh, like rock or whatever, like, um, and that's what the, the shapes and that, it started to paint themselves. They kind of started to exist in their own sh- sort of form with the music on. It's like it was influencing my hand as it was moving because of the sounds of the music. Um, this is another one that we actually had on show here. So, yeah. Um, and this one. So I, I started to understand it. I understand the, music, uh, the, the, the paintings as, as a description, like a, as a musical piece. If you hear music, you don't necessarily like all music, but you appreciate it. And that's kind of what I started to feel like. You know, I, I just create these images and they are like music. They, they have all these sort of elements of, you know, you've got the shapes, you've got the colours, you've got this, that and the other that you would have in a painting. And it's how they're all compiled and put together and arranged is what makes it. The same way, an, you know, an orchestra sort of puts together and a conductor arranges it and makes, a, you know, some musical piece. It's exactly the same sort of thing. Can you link a particular piece in that? In any of your paintings, to sit for a piece of music. Uh, yeah, direct. Um, directly. Well, there was a Benjamin Britten piece I had.
And uh, strangely, when I painted it, it actually sort of turned into almost like a rose standing on a prickly sort of fissled, you know, uh, fawny sort of base. And, uh, you know, that wasn't even considered. That was just by accident. It sort of turned out that way. Um, With the shape, like they're supposed to be like sort of petals at the top, even though it's abstract. But I'm using the lettering. I'm using the graffiti lettering again, the hard, angular shapes. Um, But, yeah, I think the next one is the Benjamin Britten one. (laughs) which is quite visible, very dynamic, and there's a lot going on. So you can, you can see the sort of, you've got the sort of the very loud sort of operatic voices, and then you've got the very soft elements of the sort of the strings and uh, the horns and stuff. So you can, it's a shame with the light. You can, this is like a very soft purple all through the background, uh, and it's kind of over, overwhelmed with the white with the projector. Um, with the white, the way it actually is on the actual painting, it's a lot softer and it's not so in your face. It's kind of it's a, it's a very delicate sort of pastely sort of tones. But yeah, can you see the sort of the musical elements to that? That's pretty big actually. That's kind of like like that sort of whip. So you know, it's quite a large large painting. So I should have wrote all the sizes down. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> But yeah, I called that one Autumn Gods because it just felt right for me. <laughs> I felt like it was the autumn time. I've put some classical music on and uh, experienced uh, the sensations of that time of year. Um, this one, it, this is funny. It's, it's an actual lettering piece I've done. And uh, it, it has a whole host of different letters. Like, I'm just playing around sort of with type, like different sort of typography and... Uh, switching things around and changing the the way they sort of things are angled and elongating and uh, basically using lettering as something else so it's not actually I'm I'm turning them into shapes I'm not seeing it as a letter (coughs) I'm just seeing it as a shape excuse me a sec I kind of like the idea of that (coughs) just playing around with it and just making people see a letter not recognise it and then Maybe they'll sort of pick it up and go, oh, yeah, that is a letter. But, um, you know, with this, there's a whole heap of them all sort of chucked in there. Um, and just sort of juggling them like shapes. But I quite like that. That's very small. That's a tiny piece. That's kind of like, like that. So it's, it's quite delicate. And the lines are quite threaded, very fine. But, again, the layers all built up, added to. And, um, you know, a good couple of weeks' worth of work, even though it's so small. Yeah, normally about sort of four or five. I can have loads in the go. That's the problem. I can just produce loads of work and just end up with it as I'm sort of stacked up because I produce too much. <laughs> I need somewhere to sort of put it all, and, you know, have a like, constant exhibition that I could constantly update, <laughs> which would be quite nice. And then with this, it's the same thing again. Like, got lots of lettering. I'm just, it's a really basic lettering as well, but just sort of arranging them. Like, uh, I can just point some really easy ones out. I've got a G at the bottom <coughs> going into a nice R with an elongated sort of S and then an M. And they don't say anything. It's just I'm playing around with sort of just the type and moving it about and using it as a shape. I've, like, this work I recently exhibited at um, this street art event that I organised. And it's funny getting the, sh- the feedback from sort of graffiti artists about it because... They they don't because they don't a lot of them don't really develop into sort of fine art. They are strictly like they work on walls with spray paint. So 
they, they kind of are really intrigued by it and they're like, how do you get those like, sort of colours? How do you get those marks? And, but when it comes to the lettering, they don't even recognise it. They're like, they don't see any lettering at all. And I, I just find that really funny because it's sort of like, you know, it's what is driving the painting is the lettering to me. And to them, it's not even existent. So, you know, like a lot of people probably wouldn't even notice it. That was a really obvious big giant S that I was just sort of mucking around with. What I'm planning to do now is I'm, I wanted to do a whole series of sort of metre square sort of paintings and just uh, put individual letters on each piece and have them just sort of spell out stuff. But I wanted to work sort of uh, looking at sort of synesthesia a bit more and work within like a, a group of people where who possibly all suffer from synesthesia and get a response from each person and see how we could build like a structured piece of work using a few people uh, that's almost spell out their different synesthetic sort of appreciation because everyone has a different sort of form of synesthesia. So this is kind of like an experiment to see how, how one piece works out, whereas I'd like to have it with, like say, about ten of them in a, like a big long stack of them on a wall. Up to my most recent one. Uh, lots of lettering again. Now, I, don't, I find I find with the painting process, I can I normally make my mind up after about the sort of the third session of painting that I'll, then I'll make my mind up of what I'm going to start to really sort of paint. And um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of funny because I don't I don't sort of sit there and go, Ooh, you know, I'm going to paint this and then start painting it. I'll start painting it. And then after a couple of days, I'll be like, right, I'm going to paint this. And um, it's, this actually says, it does actually say green. I'm being really obvious now. I'm trying to like just be the most obvious painter ever. I'm going to do a green background and I'm just going to write green. And people are going to pick up on it. Just like just be really sort of obvious and spell things out for people, but let them not even work it out. Uh, you know, like, like a lot of people probably wouldn't better work out the lettering on it because it's quite intricate, but... Um, yeah, I've, I've just really, I've, I just want to challenge myself by creating lettering that's so ridiculous and impossible to read that, you know, people try and translate it or see into it what they want to see. And uh, yeah, it's good fun, and I kind of, I'm seeing the sort of the funny side of it as well as the sort of the more serious and the more sort of the painterly side, which I think leads up to my last bit, which is what I've done recently working on TV. Now this is really, really bizarre. This is like a really bizarre sort of a Sort of, uh, you know, when in life you get an opportunity with something and you kind of go, yeah, I'll do that. And then you, when you sort of on the line, you kind of, why did I say I was going to do this? And you in, and you suddenly in a position where you're like completely over your head with it. And like I arranged to go onto this TV program um, to do some live painting, and they were like looking for top street art sort of talent. And I was, I found it really funny because I'm like, you know, I'm a, I do work in graffiti, but I kind of consider myself a fine artist, not a graffiti artist. And um, yeah, I was in this studio, and they gave me this wall, and they basically said, you know, we want you to do some, some sort of, you know, cool graffiti piece on a wall that's like, you know, so big. So it wasn't very big. And um, I did, I kind of knocked out this lettering, and it's really funny. Do, you know the. The men's magazine, the really chauvinist men's mag magazine, Nuts. You must have heard of it. Terrible magazine. Uh, it was for them, their TV channel. And I'm like, I don't associate myself with that sort of thing. But, you know, I couldn't turn it away because it's good promotion. And so I come up with this really, really blatant, obvious lettering just saying Nuts. But I'm just kind of like 
turning it upright so you've got an N that's sort of up elongated pointing up with a U going into a T with an S at the bottom and I was there painting it and I was being interviewed throughout the, the night because it was live on TV and they kept coming back and interviewing me and um, the presenter just didn't have a clue and every time he came back he was just like what is it what's it supposed to be and by the last time he came up and I just sort of like really pinned him down it's like right it's lettering it says nuts this is what it says and he was like he felt like a bit of an idiot then when it came to when it came to interviewing me again on TV he turned around and he was just like oh yeah and I mortally offended Tom by not understanding his painting, but he has informed me that it's lettering, and then made me look like a prat on TV. <laughs> so it's like this massive reversal. Like, and I was just, why did I do this? Why am I here, being in, uh, sort of offended by some TV presenter? Um, but no, it was really good, and it was a good experience. But there was a moment when I just thought, what am I doing, painting on TV? But yeah, but when he introduced it, it's as well. It's really funny. Sort of like, this is the top British street art talent, you know. And you are, and I was like, I'm Tom. <laughs> like, so you haven't got some funky name. Like, I was like, well, yeah, you know, I could use a funky name if you want me to, but I'll just stick with Tom. And uh, it's just, it's just really strange. Like, do I know Banksy? You know, things like that. And uh, just all the most obvious things that you would ask someone that possibly might know the smallest amount of thing about graffiti, and it was just like soul destroying. I think, <laughs> but a good experience nonetheless. But. Um, you know, like, I, I try my hand to anything. It's like organising this uh, street art show. I just want people to be aware of that, you know, graffiti and the ideas aren't just about what the vandalism that people think they are. There's a, there's a real fine art element to it and people, you know, need to sort of appreciate that and experience it and uh, realise that the medium itself is amazing and it's such a good way to work and, uh, you know, it can go a long way and people really need to sort of use it a lot more. And that's it. And that's my work. <laughs> Sorry, I went on a bit there. Off on a tangent. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, have you ever considered the fact that the organic could be structured? 
and that the structure could be organic. Well, yeah, that's the, the thing about it. It's the way that, the, like, with, when the paint runs and does its own work, it builds structures, it mm-hmm. makes patterns, and it works, and it creates, like, a beautiful sorts of, uh, like, dispersions of colour that I don't control. And it's that sort of randomness, that beauty in it, that sort of con- control that's in nature that I'm not controlling mm. is what I like. And it's that, that those, the way they play off against each other, those sort of techniques and those ideas are what is really important in my work. Now, I, d- I don't, a lot of people don't pick up on that and don't see that. Like, there's so many ways or levels that you can appreciate the work. Mm. But, you know, I, I appreciate in all its sort of elements. I like sort of graffiti. I like the sort of random abstract stuff. I like the sort of the bleeds and I'm just, tr- I think what I'm doing sometimes is I put too much in one thing. I'm overloading it with everything and sometimes when I just step back and do one, just one technique for the whole piece, you can really just see that one, that one element and see it stretched from my first idea right to the finished piece and how it got there. Um, but um, you know, it's just one of those things you constantly develop, and uh, you know. You well, the contrast is obviously important too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Otherwise, I don't feel like it's done. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't sort of feel right to me. But you know, like maybe like someone commissioned me just to do like I say the, the, the colourful bit and just the background. Mm-hmm. You know, I would do that. I wouldn't be like, oh no, you know, religiously sort of against it or anything. But, but yeah, the contrast is important. Any, yeah. Anyone else? Do you work out of? Hired studio spaces, or um, well, I have done. Now, I had a, I briefly had a studio. Well, I've had several studios actually. I had bad experiences with studios <coughs> as well. But um, like, I did have a studio at Silby Farm briefly, which I kind of was Silby Farm, the Westwood. What's it called? Westwood Farm, Farm with the Silby Group. Farm. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was there for a, a couple of months. I had a studio, and that was a few years back, but. I, I kind of was really put off working around other people because they have their own sort of internal business going on that I didn't want nothing to do with. So I've, I've kind of I've been working at home just in my own studio in like a spare bedroom which I converted. But um, I was working as an artist in residence at school for a year so I had their classrooms as a studio so it was a massive space. I could just work where I wanted which was really good. But at the moment I'm looking for a new studio because I've kind of got a new job and stuff. So... You know, my ideal would be to have a, a really good sort of size studio that I can sort of have everything set out like, and have possibly, like, say, six on the go quite easily that are quite big. Because of the way the studio is now, I've got a bedroom. I'm putting everything down. I'm sort of limiting it down because of, you know, just space. You know, we all need sort of space to live, but, you know, living with a painter is a nightmare. <laughs> Especially one that works flat on the floor as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. slightly different question. Yeah. Um, uh, the word commission was mentioned briefly in passing mm-hmm. once. I mean, do, do you do much work for commission? And uh, I think my question really is sort of underlying that. If you do any mm. work for commissions or or, or yeah. finding what sells, do you yeah. find do you find that what you do is in any way pressured by what, what commissioning people want or what sells? Or and um, are you really very much still just no, finding your own I'm ideas really, of what you want to do? I'm just totally like, driven in one sort of direction. Now, a lot of people like. People are really on and off about the work. I know some people that have just gone, no, I hate it, because of the way it is and the dynamic of it, it's just like, no, don't want it, don't like it, looks like graffiti, oh, it's rubbish. And other people really like it. But, yeah, in terms of commissioning, like, it's funny, some people will commission me something and will just go for a certain element of the painting style. And uh, But they always want that sort of, the, the mixture, the, the sort of, the two different things. They never want one thing, so... You know, I, I don't, I don't sell, I don't make work to sell. 
I make work to push myself and to sort of learn and develop new techniques and to, to keep sort of, you know, trying. Like all of, most of the, the last lot that we've seen have all what I've done since like last year, so less, less than a year's work. And I kind of feel like as, if I saw that as a research project for a year's work, the development's been quite strong. And now I know where I want to go for the next year. So, you know, I'm not going to target that work as to sell, so to speak. If anyone wants to buy it, then that would be great. But I don't sort of go specifically with that in mind. Never do. I kind of find that you're sort of selling yourself out a little bit. And, um, you know, it's just, I just love it. I love what I do. And I'm going to try and stick to that until I get to a point maybe where I will sort of just sell, do work to sell. I don't know. Yeah. I reckon if people turn around and start saying, oh yeah, I want to buy loads of it, I'd probably hate it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it anymore. I want to do something else. Start painting like portraits again. <laughs> so. I mean, the reason I asked the question, I was at a conference take yesterday oh, right. on f- funding of the arts, and Grayson Perry, the artist, was more the speaker. Yeah. And he was saying he thinks you can almost divide people who go to art school days into two categories of people. Oh, right. Those who want to be artists as a career, mm. and those who want to create art. Yeah. He was sort of drawing that sort of distinction and, yeah, saying, uh, and saying that the, the pressure of funding and commissioning and so on these days mm. is one of the reasons that some people are being a bit pressured into doing yeah. things, which is not what they really want to yeah. do, but it's the way to get a career as an artist. Well, that's a really good point. Like I, I did an uh, artist in residence day at Stantonbury last last month, and um, it was funny because I was kind of it was sprung on me at the last minute. Now, I could do workshops and stuff like with the students, but the way I was, I was structuring the workshop wasn't in my sort of what I wanted to do. I was doing it to just do the workshop, to have the students do something that they enjoyed. But it was more, I felt like I was sort of, you know, doing that sort of selling out just to get the workshop, just to do the job, rather than actually do something that I felt really happy with. So, you know, whereas with this, I would always do what I, what I love, and I, I don't, you know, I don't do it to sell, so... Yeah, that's, that's funny because I, I, I don't know. I just always feel that if you want to do it to sell, why be an artist? You know, it's one of the most difficult things to sort of, you know, if you want to make money from it, it's not easy. So if you wanted to have a career and make loads of money, don't be a painter. <laughs> You've got to be insane to do that, you know? It's more or less what Grayson Perry was saying. His opening comment was he yeah. didn't make a living as an artist till he was in his late 30s. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I've struggled for like the last sort of eight years, just sort of, you know, getting getting the materials to paint the work and now I'm quite comfortable with it so yeah, yeah good question <laughs> anything else? I think yeah. you have out of time yeah, that's good. Me, you've done really well and it's brilliant and I think we're all really inspired so don't stop no. <laughs> <laughs> keep no, going <laughs> and come back again uh, hmm. next year tell us what the where it's gone we have. yeah the next yeah, step <laughs> that would be good Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.